0: Step up to a NordicTrack treadmill with iFit. iFit controls speed, incline, and decline, which means the treadmill automatically mimics the changing terrain on the screen or adjusts the speed to the trainer's cues without you having to touch a thing. Explore NordicTrack treadmills at nordictrack.com.
1: everybody. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing in endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. Today, we're going to talk about a trendy and important topic, mobility. If you're not sure what that is, you're definitely going to want to tune in as I talk to physical therapist Erin Kling from the Running PTs in Cary, North Carolina. Erin ran at a collegiate level in cross-country, indoor, and track, Uh, She continued to road race in a variety of distances. This is pre-pandemic, of course. Uh, She also does some sprint triathlons and uh, has competed in CrossFit. So she pretty much knows the human body and lots of sports. So I'm excited to talk to her. Welcome, Erin. Hey, thanks for having me. So um, first, you have to talk a little bit about yourself. You have quite the athletic resume. Uh, When did you start running? Uh, So I started in 10th grade, actually.
2: Uh, So as a kid, I honestly hated running. Um, The only thing I actually liked about running was that I could compete against the boys and try to beat them. So that that was pretty much my motivation for anything when it came to like gym classes and stuff. Um, But it wasn't, I was a gymnast and a diver actually growing up and just randomly was like, you know what, let's just try running and fell in love right away, caught the bug and just kind of went from there
1: good for you and so you ended up running in college that's that's a that's huge
2: yeah no it was an awesome experience definitely a lot of character building um a lot of demands on you for uh just academics and then being able to still compete at a um, high level um lots of injuries that also came along with that um but a lot that just helped me grow into the person that i am now it helps me to be a better physical therapist because i've been through so many different injuries um So it it was definitely a learning experience, but it was awesome. Nice.
1: And I know people are going to want to know because we are, you know, in month 11 of the pandemic now. So tell us kind of how you are keeping in shape with the different stuff that you do. So
2: for the most part, luckily, uh, well, good and bad. So I was injured um, last spring. So pretty much throughout a lot of the shutdown, I was unable to run. Um, So because of that, I'm like, okay, well, what else could I do to try to just make sure that I maintain my sanity? And so I started taking up some home CrossFit workouts. Um, and so that's what actually got me into CrossFit. Um, still I ended up having to take about six months off of running because of my injury, um, and end up falling in love with CrossFit throughout that. And so now my gym is open, so I'm able to work out there, but then I will throw in, um, a couple longer runs during the week, but then like I have a dog, so I run with her too. So I get some like little bit of miles mileage with her. Um, but basically I, I do CrossFit probably about four or five times a week. And then I run um, intermittently throughout that.
1: Nice. Nice. Well, and CrossFit and mobility kind of go hand in hand, or I feel like that's oh, they what do. trendy. Like the thing that like, you know, people are like, oh, I gotta be, you know, I gotta work on my mobility. So yes, all, let's start by just defining mobility. What, what does it mean?
2: So mobility, think of it as just your ability to move. And so when it comes to any sense of mobility, people will get stuck on the idea of this is just what it means to be flexible or just any any other kind of entity. But pretty much think of mobility as how well can you move. And so when it comes how well you can move can be defined by how flexible you are, yes, but it's also how well does that joint move? And so individuals can have varying levels of mobility just based on how stretchy and bendy and flexible they are, but also just how bound up their cap, their joint capsules are. And so there's multiple different levels of what is good and what is kind of poor mobility.
1: Okay. So it's different than flexibility. Cause I can, if I can touch my toes that may, does that mean that I'm mobile or does that mean that I'm flexible or can you kind of like differentiate the two a little bit more?
2: So they kind of go hand in hand in a way. So it's like, you can be like, majority of the time you can be flexible and mobile kind of thing. But, and usually if you are not flexible, you are also not that mobile. So it's kind of, they end up going hand in hand, but I don't like to think of it as being mobile as being like super bendy. Okay. Okay. Cause yeah, because I, go ahead. Yeah. So pretty much like, cause I have some patients that have like terrible hamstring flexibility, but I can move their hips and they're able to move like really, really well about their hip. And so like for a single joint axis, they can move really well. But if you try to like flex or like Uh, basically stretch somebody across multiple joints, you can see how, if it's a two joint muscle, how
1: tight they can be. Sure. Sure. And range of motion, you kind of brought that up, but I mean, that is talk about how range of motion fits into the mobility definition.
2: So if you are more mobile, you have a greater range of motion. So let's say that I'm thinking of um, my ability to raise my arm overhead. Mm -hmm. So having a, a better, range of motion means that I can raise my arm higher than somebody that has um, poor range of motion where they're not going to be able to raise their arm as high.
1: Okay. And so is that, is range of motion, it's, I imagine it's a big aspect of mobility, right? So that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like if you, if you
2: don't have range of motion, you don't have
1: mobility. (laughs) Okay. So they go in hand in hand as well. So it's kind of an interlocking puzzle piece is what I'm hearing. Like
2: pretty much like it's, it's multifactorial. It's not just like one thing that contributes to good or bad mobility. It's just like Uh, all these different pieces that come together to form the
1: person. Okay. So what kind of ideal mobility does running require? Is that a loaded question?
2: So (laughs) There's a lot of aspects to it. So um, if you're thinking of, a lot of times people will put so much emphasis on, I need to be this flexible, really mobile runner, but there are good and bad aspects of it. So think of just the human population as falling along a bell-shaped curve where think of it as like flexibility slash mobility. So on one end, you have people that are super, super stiff and can't move all that well. But then you have the other end where people are super, super bendy and mobile. And so kind of like the gumbies versus like the Tin Man type of thing. Um, but majority of people will fall somewhere in the middle. Um, so a lot of times people will think, well, regardless of whether I am flexible or if I'm stiff, everyone should stretch when in reality, that's not really necessary for a runner. Um, It actually benefits us a bit to be slightly stiff actually, Um, because just think of like the storage and release of elastic energy that's required for running, Um, that if we're super, super flexible and bendy and we don't have enough control of that range, then it takes so much more energy to stabilize you and you're actually more apt to get injured because you're not stabilizing yourself enough. so when it comes to mobility for a runner, you kind of need to fall in the middle of that bell shaped curve. Like you don't want to be hyper mobile or moving too much, but you don't want to be so stiff that you might strain something because you have no range of motion to move. Okay. So,
1: yeah. How, how can you tell if you need to work on your mobility, like a, a runner? And let's just imagine for the, for the purposes of this conversation, let's just say we're talking about, um, a 40, a 40 year old female runner who is, kind of middle of the pack, you know, likes to do half marathons, does marathons maybe once every other year. So she's a pretty, you know, she's a regular runner, but she hasn't really thought about mobility before. How would she know if she needs to work on it?
2: So I'll say it's very individually based. And so it's challenging as a general whole, but I'll kind of give you a good snapshot. Um, Quick, easy tests to kind of give an idea of like, Ooh, could I like, where am I on the flexibility scale? So let's say that Can you like, if you're sitting on the floor, have both legs in front of you, like legs are straight. Can you sit up straight with your, without like, having feeling the need to slouch? Like if you could sit up straight with your legs in front of you, that gives me an indication of, okay, how is your postural support? How much stretch do you have through your back of the hamstrings? How, like, how much restriction do you have because of your back? And so that could be one test of like, Hey, can I sit in it like this straight legged upright position for, let's say two minutes. If you have issues with that, you might need to work on your hamstring flexibility. Um, there's another test that we um, give an idea to give an idea of like self-assessment can be of um, what's called a nine, hip 90-90 stretch. So pretty much you have one leg in front of you bent in 90 degrees, the other leg is to the side, kind of like thinking like you're about to be like a hurdler, about to go over a hurdle, um, but the back knee is bent. Um, so pretty much in this position, it's, it's gonna put a lot of torque at both hips and so if it's challenging for you to sit upright doing that, you might need to work a little bit on your hip mobility and kind of that rotational um, movement. Um, I will say typically uh, middle-aged men have a very hard time with this position. Women don't have as much of that issue because innately we are much more mobile. We move so much better. Um, and that's just how we're made. Um, and so majority of the time would be like just a couple of tests of like, how's your hamstring length? How is your hip um, rotational mobility—it's um, much easier for women versus men. But if you feel that you are like a stiffer female, these are a couple little tests of like, hmm, are these different areas I could work on? Um, and obviously, when it comes to those things, that does not encompass everything because there's so many different muscles, so many different joints that we would need to look at um, that are still important for running. But those would be like a couple things of am giving you a gauge of am I innately stiff
1: or am I innately like more mobile? Sure, sure. That's great. Those are great suggestions. Um, so, so imagine. Uh, so, I, I'm curious. Like, do we lose mobility as we age, or do you lose mobility with the miles? Or um, talk a little bit about what? Because <laughs> I, I feel we're, as I get older, I just feel stiffer all the time. Yes. Yeah. So, talk about why that happens.
2: So, I will say, if we're looking gender wise, because I know, especially for all of your listeners, majority of them are female. So. Um, Yes, as females, we will get a little bit stiffer because the structure of our muscles are different. Like we're not quite as like, we don't have the vigor that we did when we were 15, pretty much. (laughs) And so like the muscles are not quite as elastic. They're not going to be able to um, kind of build up the strength and everything like that, that we need uh, when we're like in our forties and fifties compared to what we were when we were in our twenties. But as a whole, you will see an actual like significant like decline in mobility for men more than that of women so women don't actually need to worry about it as much by comparison because men just are stiffer beings in general and so they're actually going to be more of the ones that need to stretch and work on their mobility okay. whereas women need to work more on their stability and more like um kind of strength work more so
1: Okay. Well, so let's, let's talk about some practical things that we can do, um, to, to make sure that we get that range of motion. Cause I'm, I imagine, and please correct me if mm-hmm. i but I imagine that our, it's our hips, our ankles, like our joints kind of, um, are those the two main things that we need to work on as far as mobility or making sure that we have a good range of motion to get a nice stride?
2: Oh yeah. So, so the knee, it, like, cause like a lot of times when it comes to like hips and ankles, like if we are stiff or have too much motion in either of those, that's going to have a negative impact on the knee as well. And okay. so for the most part, you don't need to work as much on mobility of the knee unless you like you just had surgery and then you might need to see PT about that. Um, but majority of the time, the re- the restrictions that we'll have will be yes, in ankle and hip. Um, so majority of the time it's a, can you bring your leg back far enough behind you, like into that hip extension? Can you bring your toe up towards your shin into dorsiflexion to have that stretch in the back of the calf well enough to minimize your risk of injury? Things like that. Okay.
1: So, so uh, if I'm heading out for a run, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I know it. She's our, our, our Jane Doe runner. Um, she's just. Yeah easy, say six mile run on a regular hilly route. What are some things that she can do prior to the run to make sure that she, um, is, is getting as much her full range of motion, not putting her, you know, using her mobility to the best of its ability.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So anytime prior to a run, I would not suggest doing any kind of static stretching. Um, and so when it comes to like, as a general whole research wise, it does not support the idea that by stretching, we are going to prevent injury but when it comes to how stiff you are, it can be very helpful to make sure that we are feeling good and ready to run. Um, and so when it comes to anything pre-run, majority of the times I will suggest, hey, we need to do some dynamic stretching. And so it's something that you only really need to hold it for like 10 seconds or so, like anything under 30 seconds for any holds, but that's your typical dynamic warm up of Let's walk and bring your knee to your chest type of thing. Let's uh, As we're walking, let's bring our heel back towards our bottom to give a good quad stretch hinge forward at the hips to give a nice little hamstring stretch, like that kind of thing. Um, but everything very short duration. I like to think of it as like, if anybody likes to do yoga, like a yoga flow where you're just constantly moving from one movement to the next. So that one, you're waking up your system, but you're also giving, giving yourself a little fine tuning of like, Hmm, I do feel a little stiffer in my hamstrings today. Maybe I should spend a little bit more time doing this, or maybe I should avoid doing this hill workout because it's bothering me. Um, so those are kind of little gauges. I also like to encourage my runners to do some plyometrics metrics beforehand as well, um, because we need to have this balance of the mobility stability concept that if we are um, about to go for a run, we wanna make sure that we have m- joints and muscles that are moving well, but we also need to make sure those muscles are active and ready to fire the way that they should as we run. And so like, doing like A skips and B skips and like high knees, like all this stuff just to fire everything up to get ready to go is also important to do pre-run.
1: Okay, so we'll we'll link, you guys have a, a good YouTube channel and some Instagram videos and that kind of thing. So we'll link to these in the show notes so you guys can look at them. Um, so some examples, if, you, if you're if you wanting to see a, a visual example of what Aaron's talking about. Um, so what's the difference, you know, because a lot of us, uh, myself included, are very good at you know, um, lacing up and heading out the door and just going, what's the difference between doing what you just talked about? Some, some mobility, stability stuff versus just going out and running and maybe taking a warm up mile, maybe taking, you know, 10 or so minutes to, to, to to ease into it, but not necessarily waking up the body in the way you described. Yeah.
2: So I'll say I'm guilty of just putting on my shoes and going out the door as well. So uh, time is of the essence. So a lot of times we don't always have the time to do that stuff. So like, I get it. Um, But it's usually one of those things where if you know you're not going to have the time to do like pre-run stuff, make sure you like take the first mile a little easier kind of thing. Like you don't want to go too crazy, Um, but uh, it depends on your situation. So like when I was getting over my injury, um, had a knee injury, and the only way that I could feel safe enough to go for my run was to do some like dynamic flow movements to stretch everything out beforehand. And so that was what was best for me to do prior to. It does not mean that everybody needs to do mobility stuff beforehand. And now that I'm healthier, I can go out and just go for my run and be fine. Um, but when you're looking at what your intention is for that run, that dictates how much of a warm-up you need. And so if you're about to do an interval workout, you better do some, a warm-up mile at least. You need to do some stretching. Make sure that your body is ready to have that quicker turnover, basically have that higher demand or hill workouts, things like that. Like you don't want to just like step out your door and like climb Mount Everest type of thing. Um, so it, it, a lot of it just depends on what your goals are for that particular run as to the stuff you have to do pre
1: run. Okay, and um, just thinking, this is going to uh, drop in early February. This podcast, um, a lot of people are in cold parts of the country, and maybe they've yes. up, you know, and um, they're not in North Carolina, um, and uh, they've bundled up, and so they they. What can you do inside that might not, you know, you don't want to, you want to minimize your time outside. You want to get your miles in outside, but you want to warm up. I mean, is 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 it something like a sun salutation if you don't have room to do like skips and things like that?
2: Um. As
1: like a plyometric kind of thing. Well, plyometric or, just or generally just warm, you know, getting, getting your body ready to run. Yeah.
2: So anybody that has set up a home gym is definitely going to have the uh, more of a benefit in that you could do like five minutes of like cycling on your bike beforehand kind of thing. Like that's going to get blood flowing. You could jog in place a little bit. Um, you, any kind of just movement is going to be beneficial. So if you just need to do a few squats or like do some step-ups, like things like that, um, can just get the blood flowing more. So you're less apt to strain something once you get out into the cold.
1: Okay. Nice. Nice. Okay. Um, so, so, uh, when is stretching appropriate or is it ever like a full, I'm, I'm just going to go in and, hold a stretch and not make it dynamic or anything like that. Uh, that's going to be post-run. And so the reason why like pre-run, you don't want to do
2: static stretching is it does mess with the overall, um, muscle activation, for a short duration like if i do a long duration stretch let's say i'm stretching my hamstrings for like five minutes the overall uh structure of that that muscle is going to be slightly different it's not going to activate quite as well and so that's why we don't want to do it before like you're about to do a hard workout um, because you need to have that muscle recruitment working at the correct time Um, but post run that's a good time that your muscles are already warm they are basically asking for the time of like, I can do more things. I can stretch more after. Um, So that's something that you could do um, uh, post run. Anything that you're holding for over 90 seconds is considered a static hold. Um, So that's when you're actually going to be able to change the length of that muscle. Um, So that would be the primary time that I would suggest to um, stretch and uh, long duration. And you can do long duration stretch at any time, like what, like whether you're going for a run or not, it's just the timing is kind of important. So let's say that you are been working all day and you're like, you know what, I just feel stiff after sitting at my desk all day. I need to stretch. Have at it. Like, they're, they're, I have no problem with you being cold and stretching, but it's obviously going to be more beneficial for you if you are already warm, it, like you had just done something and the blood's flowing and you can get a better overall stretch.
0: Whatever your reason for running indoors, weather, parenting duties, safety, or convenience, you owe it to yourself to get a Nordic Track treadmill with iFit interactive connected technology. It's a game changer. With a huge touchscreen, iFit transports you to an energetic studio workout class or stunning locations filmed in more than 40 countries across all seven continents. iFit offers up thousands of on demand workouts from walking and hiking excursions up to speed building intervals and everything in between. There are even yoga, boot camp, and cross training sessions that will have you hopping off the treadmill. As I await delivery of my NordicTrack treadmill with iFit technology, I'm living vicariously through other mother runners who are already putting in miles on theirs, like Pam Harris, who was a guest on last week's show. Pam wrote in an email, I love using the iFit workouts on my NordicTrack treadmill to travel out of my house. I'm a beach girl stuck far from the ocean, so my favorite runs always involve the water, like today's four-miler along the coast of Santa Cruz, California. I also enjoy walking and hiking tours that take me to faraway locales. I've been traversing New England with trainers Jed Brophy and Graham McTavish, and I adore both the scenery and the guys' banter. Working from home, I sweet-talk my dad into making me a treadmill desk, and I walk and work for an hour or so several days a week. As Pam details, the possibilities on a Nordic track are endless. To see what she and I are talking about, head to nordictrack.com. That's n-o-r-d-i-c-t-r-a-c-k.com see where you can go with NordicTrack Treadmill with iFit.
1: I know that it's kind of, it's kind of a controversial topic in the running world the, the post run stretch. I mean, do, is it a good fit for everybody? Or is it just, if you feel like you need it, or if you are one of those people that is on the, you know, the left-hand side of the bell curve, that's a little bit stiffer, like kind of talk about um, who ideal, who's, who's your ideal stretcher.
2: Ideal stretchers, those that
1: are, yeah, the, st- the stiffer
2: end. So like, I will say majority of the time I don't do static stretching when I'm done running. Okay. Um, I will from time to time, like if I notice there's a certain area that's bothering me, but I'm going to be more of the one that I'm going to go to foam rolling um, because I will have the best benefit. And I notice across the board for most individuals that they will benefit more from a post-run foam roll um, versus a long duration stretch.
1: Well, that was a great segue because that's my next question. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there we go. So let's talk about foam rolling. And gosh, uh, you know, we we talk about this all the time at Another Mother Runner, because I think it's one of those things, it's like flossing, right? It's one of those things that you know is going to be helpful, but gosh, it is so hard to make it a habit and to, you know, get on the ground with the dust bunnies and the dog hair and yes. in, inflict more pain on yourself, right? So yes. talk about kind of, I guess, your take on it and, and what how to best fit it in and, and and yeah, just talk about your take on it. Yeah.
2: So I love foam rolling. Um, I suggest it to pretty much all my patients. Like it, it's going to be beneficial for, I always say for everyone, but for pretty much everyone. Okay. Um, the idea is, of it is that you have all these knotted bound up tissue um, within the muscle and basically that those create those trigger points. Those create those tender points. The muscle cannot function as well if you have all those trigger points in there. So this is a way to self massage to basically get some more blood flow to that area help to break it down. Um, and so um, ideal times to fit it in, it's like pretty much it can be done pre during pre run during a workout post run, like it, it can be good at any time. And I, I find personally, but along research has supported it as well that it does help to minimize the soreness that you have after a run or after a workout. Okay. Um, and so it does really just kind of if you can't get to a PT to work on you, um, as frequently as you would want, especially depending on the volume that you're running, um, it's a good way just to keep with, uh, keep up with just the health of your muscle.
1: Okay. And are there certain spots that, I mean, again, I know the answer is probably individual based mm-hmm. base, but I mean, are there certain spots that you feel like every runner could hit, especially if she only has, you know, five, 10 minutes?
2: Yeah. So when it comes to, um, the main ones, glutes. Are definitely a big one, calves um, and, primer- and hamstrings and inner thigh for the most part. So majority of the time, like it, as with everything in life, like we only have so much time <laughs> throughout the day to do what we need to do. And majority of the time, the recovery aspect is what falls on the wayside. It's like, well, I only have this much time to get my miles in. I don't have time to foam roll, so I'm not going to worry about that. Um, and so like even just dedicating like five minutes of like, if you can hit like two spots on, uh, on either limb, spend one to two minutes on it. Um, then I would say glutes and calves would be the main ones.
1: Uh, but you did mention inner thighs and I got to say that one is a sly little sucker, right? Those... Oh, it is, isn't it? That was terrible. <laughs> uh, and it, and it's a little, it gets a little tricky to get in there with a foam roll. Yep. You kind of have to really contort yourself down onto the ground, but that what, why do our inner thighs get so sore? Because so those are your adductors. So they're, um, I
2: guess their movement is to bring your leg inwards, but their function is to help to stabilize the leg. And so with any kind of closed chain movement. And so with, um, running, they are incredibly active. And so a lot of times yet they're sly, like you don't even really notice that they're a problem until you start to roll it or press into like your inner thigh. You're like, what in the world is that? Um, and so a lot of times we forget to roll it because it's so awkward to be able to like get to that position to get to it. Um, but definitely something that because they're so active, it's super important to get after them. Um, so even if like you don't like to go like trying to get out and position yourself with a foam roller, like get a rolling pin. Or if you have like one of those thera sticks, like roll the inside of your thigh. Uh, if you're fancy and you have like a thera gun or a massage gun, go at it with that. Um, because I'll tell you that I don't know if it's because of COVID or what, but massage gun industry has been like shooting out all these different options. Yeah. You go on Amazon, you can find so many different types, um, that is really, um, a great option of just being able to hit an area real quick, real easy, and then move on to your next task.
1: Nice. Nice. So, um, so a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll call it good. Uh, you yeah, been- yeah. So let's talk a little bit. So I see, you know, especially with the CrossFit and social media, you kind of put those two together. And I, I often see, um, you know, images of some pretty aggressive stretches, right? Like I'm thinking of that one where you have, you know, your back leg up against the couch, right? And you're really trying to stretch your hip flexor or the 90, 90 stretch that you talked about, um, so um, really, really deep squats where you're kind of in like a frog position, you know, as yep. low to the ground as possible. Um, like what is a benefit of doing stuff? I mean, may not at that aggressive level if you're not ready for that. But I mean, you know, if I'm watching Schitt's Creek and I, you know, maybe I did a little foam rolling, is it, is it helpful for me to kind of try to get into some of those positions and, and hold it or not?
2: It depends on what it feels like on your end. And so aggressive stretching is never something I would recommend. And so like any, if, I want you to think of like stretching as a scale. So if you go into any doctor's office, they're going to ask you of your pain of like zero to 10. Do you feel like, like you're in the most extreme pain you've ever had or no pain whatsoever. Um, so think of like stretching as that scale of a zero to 10, where if you're doing a nice healthy stretch that you're going to get benefit from without injuring yourself in the process, that I would want you like a three or four out of 10. So it feels like a very gentle stretch. And if you're trying to do some of those aggressive, uh, like deep squatted position stretches or um, the couch stretch, where it's just, it's way outside of your wheelhouse. Don't try to push yourself to get there because your body isn't there yet. It may eventually, if you really want to work on that and be good at a deep squat, but it's not a necessity as a runner to have a good deep squat. Um, There are certain, Um, disciplines and sports that you'd benefit from being able to do that, but running isn't really one of them.
1: Okay. Are there any, are there any moves um, like that? And and again, not, not necessarily aggressive, but things Mm -hmm. work either on that hip mobility or that ankle mobility that you recommend to people that have very stiff ankles or hips. Let's start with Let's start with your hips and then we can talk about your ankle. Yep. You're good.
2: Um, So this kind of plays a role in or segues a little bit in the idea of working on the joint along with working on the flexibility and so um there are ways to improve mobility by going after it from a joint level so that when you're doing exercises for that you would use something called a super band or like those really like thick bands that it's they stretch but they're not like um they're they're not like there are bands where they're so thin they could snap kind of thing Um, doing joint mobilizations with a TheraBand, like around the hip, um, which uh, I'll end up just uh, sending your uh, listeners over to our uh, YouTube channel for that because me describing it will be too challenging, but pretty much um, utilizing a Superband for different joint mobilizations can help with the hip mobility. If you are stiff or you're feeling a pinching, if you're going down into a deep squat or things like that can be very helpful to do joint side of things. Um, But then when it comes to, like hip mobility, like what would be things you want to do would be like um, simple like piriformis stretch or like a pigeon pose kind of thing. Like that is really good to work on. Um, I'll say good 80 to 90% of my runners that come in have something going on with their glutes. Um, They may not be the main thing that they have coming in for, but like usually we're working on a lot of glutes Um, and piriformis is one of the culprits that, that is really important to work on not only with stretching, but also with getting in there with like a lacrosse ball or foam roller or like that massage
1: gun as well okay nice and what about ankles um, is there anything I mean if uh, if you find your ankles very stiff after a run or prior to a run um, you know uh, or even as you age right they get a little get a little rice crispy like what anything yeah. we can do
2: so that you can do like the typical um, like let's say it's more like the rice crispy one mm-hmm. that's gonna be you need to go after more of that joint mobilization so you need to be able to get that ankle moving a little bit better from like a local standpoint not just hey let's stretch your calf type of thing um so think of it as a sense of stiffness uh, like within the joint or like kind of right at that joint line is more of an indication that there's something going on in the capsule that you need to address and so that's going to be more let's get break out the super band let's do some kind of flow yoga style movements um, where you're not trying to aggressively stretch the calf but you're just trying to like get the ankle moving and so that can be something as simple as like um Where it kind of feels like a stretch, actually, but um, doing like the downward dog in yoga, where you just kind of, uh, kind of the walking dog, where you're cycling your feet back and forth. Just that frequent movement can help to break up those Rice Krispie treat kind of feels in your ankles. Um, But also do it. There's another one that, if you have the mobility to do it, I call it the upright happy baby, where pretty much you're in that deep squat, if you can be in a deep squat, and you just kind of rock forward and back in that um, position because that just kind of, it gets the joint moving a little bit more. Cause a lot of times we wake up in the morning, we have those 5.30 AM runners that are crazy and just want to get out there and get out in the cold and everything. Um, that if you roll out of bed and go for your run, you're going to feel stiff. And by doing like those simple movements, it can really help to at least get some blood flow um, to it. So does it doesn't feel quite as stiff and Rice crispy like
1: Nice, nice. So, so here's your last question. Uh, It's kind of the million dollar question. So if we do take care of ourselves, if we do, do, you know, um, make sure that we are staying as as flexible as possible, as mobile as possible, I mean, does it become an issue um, at age 55, 65? Or if we are on top of it, is it something that will not limit our performance?
2: It's something that every runner needs to continue to work on. So, so we're never able to just like be done with it because as runners, we are constantly moving. We are constantly stressing and loading our body in a way that we need to work on it. We need to be able to have some maintenance level to it. Um, A lot of times people will come into the clinic and be really upset of like, why is it always like my ankle? Why do I always have this calf issue? And like it's very individualistic. And so like people will have their problem areas. And so that's just how your body's made. You're going to have some issues just because of your anatomy. And so, ju- and just as human beings, we will have those problem areas. But in general, if you are going to be pushing your body, you're going to be um, wanting to be better. You will have to be on that recovery stuff. And so that's mobility, that's stretching, that's um, foam rolling, all that kind of stuff.
1: There you go. You heard it from the expert.
0: Thank <laughs> you, Erin.
1: You were great. Yeah yeah and thanks for having me yeah yeah and um and good luck hope hope uh, you're in do you have any races on the horizon or is that not coming back in your area yet
2: uh it's it's slow going i'm just kind of waiting for things to get more established and at that point then i'll look into a bit more but right now just kind of enjoying the
1: ability to run so exactly as we all should no matter what awesome yep. take care thanks a lot Erin. not a problem thank you